Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. how many people have participated in a relationship that's outside of the marriage, a relationship in which they have actually violated their marriage covenant or contract with their spouse. And so I can't tell you exactly how many, because it can range anywhere from 60 to 7%, 60 to 70%, I should say, all the way down to 25 to 30%. And, and who knows? It's based on how the research is done, who they're talking to, the kind of questions they're asking. Well, let's just say it this way. If we don't have stats that we can look at and say this pretty well represents it, then think about the number of people that you know, the people that you have gone to church with, the people that you have worked with, the people that you know socially, even your own relatives. And think about the number of them, the number of the marriages at least, that have been affected by infidelity, where either the husband or the wife, sometimes both, have been involved with another person, at least emotionally, to the point where they're actually violating their marriage. To, or if not, that, then beyond that, I should say, would be sexually. It's rampant. You can name people right now. If you had a piece of paper in front of you and started writing, you can write down the names of people you know who have done this or who have been affected by this. As a matter of fact, as you're listening, it may be that you have been affected by the infidelity of your spouse, or it may be that you're the spouse who's watching who's listening, who maybe perhaps will be calling us in a couple of minutes, and you're the one who has uh, been unfaithful to your spouse. If you are, please stay with us. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to address a particular problem that we're facing in America. As a matter of fact, I'm sure it's worldwide, but I'm speaking primarily about America right now, a problem that we're facing that's causing all kinds of difficulty. Now, if you say, well, why does it happen? Part of why it's happening is because of the change in our culture, the change in our society that's occurred over the last maybe 50 years, if you look back, beginning about the 1960s. And uh, many people listening have no idea what the 60s were like because you weren't there. But beginning then, when they begin to change from this is what's right and this is what's wrong, you do what's right, you avoid what's wrong. And over time, it evolved to no, no, no. What you really should do is whatever makes you feel good at the moment. Or they may even phrase it this way. You need to be happy. Do what makes you happy. Not thinking about the fact that happiness is typically based on what's happening. And that if what's happening changes, then your happiness tends to change as well. And instead of a moral code that this is right, this is wrong, it evolved into each person becoming his or her own moral code. And when you live in a society where it's acceptable to be unfaithful to your spouse, the temptation to do so becomes much, much stronger. Not only that, but the people willing to participate in that with you, the numbers of those people continue to grow. And so that there are more men and more women who are willing to participate in that because of the fact that it's like, well, but this makes you happy and this makes me happy. And even though I know that you're married to someone else and you should be faithful to him or her, this was meant to be because it makes us happy at the moment. So part of it is the culture. The culture in which we live, the society which we have become, that makes it so much more, well, it's more attainable. 
it's easier to do. And then consider the fact that about half, about half of the adult population of America is single. And there are people out there who are desperate for a companion. Now, not every single person is like that. Don't, don't put words in my mouth. I'm not saying that. But there are people out there that are single that do feel so very lonely and so very abandoned that if someone comes along that appears to fulfill his or her needs, to meet his or her desires, even if that person is married, it's like, but, but I'm so alone. And this person is just right for me. At least that's what they believe at the moment. This person is just right for me. And so it really is irrelevant that he is married to someone else or that she's married to someone else. Oh, and by the way, if the spouse who is being involved in this really wants to be involved in something they shouldn't be involved in, then they're liable to lie. What I mean by that is to say, oh, I am married, but, you know, we're in the process of divorcing. I am married, but we're separated already. I am married, but. And so we live in a culture that makes it so much easier. And then we have different kinds of affairs that people have. You know, there's the kind of affair that I call the short-lived affair. Now, there are a bunch of subheadings to this, but basically what it means is that they're not particularly emotionally connected to the other person. It's primarily about the situation. It could be about the sexual fervor that's being involved in it. It could be ego that's being stroked. It can even go to things like flirting that got out of hand. It can even be vengeance. Like I've been hurt by my spouse. I'm going to hurt him or her back by what I do. But the key to the short-lived affair is basically that it does not last that long. Now it can last several months and in rare, rare occasions can last past a year. And sometimes it's the proverbial one night stand. It happens and it's over with. And there's those kinds of infidelities, those kind of affairs. It, those of the three I'm about to describe, well, that's one of the three I'm describing, are the ones that, while none of them is easy to help a couple get past, of the three, that would be the easiest if indeed the person hasn't gotten into a habit of being involved with other people sexually, what the, some counselors and therapists call sex addicts. In the sexological world, we call it obsessive sexual behavior, but we won't argue over semantics right now. What I'm saying is that there are some kinds like that. It's not an emotional connection to the other person. It's about the situation itself. And then there are those affairs that occur because people in a marriage that they refer to as an open marriage. Sometimes they call it the lifestyle. Back in the day, they used to call it swinging, and that's kind of coming back now. It's into vogue, calling it swinging again. In other words, you can be involved sexually with whomever you wish as long as you love me and are married to me. We get couples like that in our workshop, and the reason we do it's because of the fact that inevitably one of them winds up being emotionally connected to somebody else and then they want out of the marriage because I want to be with him or I want to be with her. If you're thinking about the fact that they're being sexually involved with different people in different situations with the consent of the spouse, doesn't it just make sense at some point they're going to find some person with whom they connect emotionally when they do that? And so we do get those couples that come to a workshop saying, save our marriage. And we do the best we can to help them save the marriage, but telling them, if you go right back to that lifestyle, whatever we do for you here is probably not going to have a great long-term effect because you see what you're doing. Well, I'll come back to that some other time. And then the third kind of affair is what we refer to as the relationship affair or emotional affair. Now, that actually has a word. There's a the name that goes with it. Oh, I know in the public out there, people call it romantic love, true love. I have finally found my true, finally found my true love. I have found my Prince Charming. I have found my Cinderella. And they actually believe that. It's not that at all. There's a word for it. The word was coined back in the 1970s by Dorothy Tenov, a PhD, who studied it extensively and wrote a book about it. And she named it 
limerence, L-I-M-E-R-E-N-C-E. Now, there's a lot of research that's been done on limerence. I'm not going to explain everything I can to you about it right now. But quite often, limerence happens to a person that's not necessarily looking to cheat on his or her spouse. They're not looking to be unfaithful. But they have some kind of need that's being unfulfilled. It could be a problem existing in the marriage itself, for example, and they're frustrated with that problem. Whatever it is, some kind of vulnerability exists, whether it's because the marriage has its own problems or whether that person has vulnerabilities in and of himself or herself. Vulnerabilities that may have started all the way back in childhood, where that they need to feel some kind of intense emotion. And when they married, they probably felt that intense emotion for the person they married to. But all of us, all of us know that the intense emotion of the early relationship tends to modify over time. It tends to come down so that it can still be a very deep, deep abiding emotion, but it doesn't have the ecstasy. It doesn't have that same sense of thrill and excitement over time because, well, we just get used to each other. And actually, that excitement, that thrill kind of thing, Dr. Helen Fisher, a Ph.D., she actually has written about that extensively that that was designed to draw us together, but it was never designed to keep us together. And as far as I know, Fisher's not a religious person, so she doesn't refer to God. She would refer to nature. And that in nature, that kind of thrills to draw us together, but it was never intended to keep us together because people who operate in that ecstatic sense can't maintain it forever. It's an impossibility. It will diminish. It will go away. Yet, yet when, do a, when you talk to a person who is in that situation, they deny that. No, no, no. I, this is something that I feel that nobody else has ever felt. I can't even explain the amazing sensations that I'm feeling. And this is the way I'm going to feel about this person for the rest of my life. And quite often, they don't remember they had very similar emotions toward the person they're married to now back in the beginning. And the reason they don't remember that is because in the intensity of these emotions, they rewrite history. They tend to remember only negative or at least neutral things, but mostly negative about the spouse. They don't remember the excitement, the ecstasy at the beginning. All they can think of is, no, I've never felt this way with anyone before. And this is what I feel for this person now. And if you try to convince them that that's incorrect, they'll deny it. I know that for a fact, because many years ago, I left my wife. This was back in the 1980s, before some of you guys were born, <laughs> for a woman with whom I was, quote, madly in love. Back then, I didn't know what Limerence was. I'd never heard of it. Like most people, interestingly, never have heard of it. It's amazing how many counselors and therapists have never even heard of it, although the research is ample out there. And when I became so involved with that woman, I had no memory of the excitement I had when I was to begin with. It just didn't exist in my head. All I could remember was the negatives, anything negative that had happened in a relationship. And in every relationship, there are those negative things. And I was actually confronted by a counselor who had letters that I had written to Alice back when we were dating, back when we were younger. And the intensity of the emotion expressed in those letters, he said, Z, you did feel these things for Alice. I didn't believe my own handwriting. I couldn't because I'd rewritten history. And sometimes they even go to the point of vilifying the spouse, like making him or her into some kind of evil person. Everything about him or her is bad. And it's not because you're necessarily doing this consciously. It's happening more in the back of the brain back there, if you will. And it becomes part of the justification for leaving him or leaving her and going to this new exciting lover that you feel is intense limerence for. But you're not calling limerence. You're calling it madly in love. Nobody's ever felt like this. But 
even though you won't believe it if you're in that situation, it has a shelf life. It will end. You see, what's making it so intense are some things that are happening inside your own brain. Oh, Fisher's research has been fascinating about this. He and her colleagues, Dr. Fisher and her, Dr. Fisher and her colleagues found that um, several things are happening. I'll just mention two, that when you're in that state, the serotonin levels in your brain are actually decreasing. Now, that intensifies fear. And by the way, the stronger the fear, the stronger the passion. You say, what are you afraid of? Afraid we won't end up together. Afraid that somehow I'll lose you. And at the same time that that serotonin is going down, which makes you apprehensive and afraid, your, your other chemical dopamine is going sky high whenever you feel that the other person is reacting to you the way they, that you want them to. And when they do that, when they indicate in some fashion, by whatever they do, or even if you imagine they're doing it, that there's, they're connecting with you emotionally like you want to connect to them emotionally, whether it's happening or you just think it's happening, you go into these these ecstatic sensations of this is amazing. Nobody has ever felt like this. And so part of what you're fighting is your own brain chemicals. If you were to say, this is wrong, I need to stop this, I need to get out of it. Your own brain is fighting it because it's saying, no, 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 this is what we crave. This is what we want. We've always wanted to feel this way, but it does have a shelf life. It is going to end. Now, you can look at the stats about how long are the averages, but that's irrelevant right now. Whether it lasts a few months or a couple of years, it's going to end. And so the spouse that's standing for the marriage, the one that wants things to work, and they see their husband or their wife so involved with this other person, so overcome with these intense and deep emotions, and they're thinking, how, how could you choose him or her over me? What's wrong with me? Actually, there may not be much wrong with you at all. When I say much, I mean, nobody's perfect. You understand, I'm sure you're not, but there may not be much wrong with you at all. There may not even be much wrong with your relationship. Now, if there is, those are things that need to be fixed. There's no doubt about that. But you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying that they are imprisoned in a sense by their own brain chemicals and they crave that ecstasy and they seek it with all their being. If that's talking to the other person, being with the other person, or just daydreaming about the other person and their future together, they crave that ecstasy and they go for it. But hear me. I said it. I'll say it again. It has a shelf life. It will end. Now, if you want to know a lot more about this, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com slash Marriage Helper. It's all one long word there. And if you go to the YouTube channel, you'll find that we have tons of tons of hundreds, actually, of videos there about all kinds of topics concerning relationships. And some of those are about limerence and some of those are about why your spouse is in love with somebody else. Or if you're the person who feels those emotions, there are videos there about why do I feel this way and and how is it going to turn out? And there are even videos about how do you choose between a lover or a spouse? Or you can always come to our regular website, which is marriagehelper.com. And on regular website, you can find all kinds of things there, including podcasts and links to other videos. And we even have people that would be happy to talk to you. If you want to talk and, and get somebody who can help you, you can call our number at 866-903-0990. That's 866-903-0990. No, it's not a hotline. You will not get a counselor or therapist, Okay. What's going to happen is that you'll get one of our client representatives who can guide you to, who can guide you to the right resources that we have in our nonprofit. 
Now, this program is actually a question and answer program, and I've been waiting a while here as I've tried to explain for the first 15 minutes what this is, as I promised I would do in the promotions we've given to this particular program. And now it's time to start talking to some of the people who've actually called in. Now, it appears to me out there um, that we have a lot of callers already. There's more than 30. But if you want to call, then you can call 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812, and that'll put you with our call screener. But if I am reading this correctly, uh, it looks like maybe our, we're having some trouble with our screening out there. So if you call and don't get the answer to ben immediately, when you do hear an answer, please press the number one. When you hear an answer, press the number one that puts you in the queue so you can talk to our screener. And hopefully then you can uh, get a chance to get on here and we'll talk, you and me, for a few minutes. Now, may I say this before I take the first call here? Um, we will have to talk relatively briefly because we have so many people out there looking to talk. They're, they're wanting to talk, and, and we need to get as many callers as we possibly can. So please be very succinct telling me what your situation is. If I need more information, I'll ask the question. It's not we're trying to brush you off because you're not important. You are important. But there are a lot of other people out here waiting on us as well. So be as brief as you can as we talk, okay? And I'll do my best to answer your questions based on what we have learned. Okay, now. By the way, I guess I need to tell you, I am Dr. Jovine. I am the chair here at Marriage Helper, and uh, uh, not the CEO, but the chair, and develop most of my material. Okay, so we're going to, uh, what did I just do? I did something wrong here. Let me try it this way. We're going to Ellen in New York, if we can make this work. It's not working. Okay. All right, let's see if we can find this other one here. We're going to go to Lynn in Texas. Let's see if that works. Hi, Lynn, are you there? Hi, Dr. Bean. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Are you on a speakerphone, Lynn? Yes, sir, I am. I can get off the speaker, though. That, that would be great because we're getting a lot of background noise from that, so thank you. How may I help you, Lynn? Yes, sir. Um, so it's been about six months since I found out about the emotional affair. We've talked through it a couple of times. Um, right now I'm struggling with between therapy and friends and then some of the guidance from your shows as well. Mm -hmm. um, I've chosen to stay and stand as long as I can. Um, okay. It seems that they have ended the relationship, but they still work together. They have not okay. stopped contact, friendship contact. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm, I have people in my head telling me that I'm devaluing myself and allowing him to use me as a doormat because he's staying and having his cake and eating it too as I'm trying to keep peace and stand and make my own positive changes for myself mm -hmm. um, and not setting the expectation you either completely end it and have no contact with her or you leave. Okay. And May I ask you a question, Lynn? Why did you decide to stand? What what were the motivations for you to stand for your marriage? Um, I love him with all my mm -hmm. heart. I love okay. my girls. And um, I knew that this was not this was not something that was long term. It was a, a symptom of things that we were struggling with. Okay. Um over the last couple of years and avoiding conflict and just living as roommates and not truly connecting. Okay. 
Are you connecting with each other now? Little by little, yes, we are. Good. Um, Good. Yes. And we're still intimate with each other. Okay. All right. That's a good thing, actually, believe it or not. And has he said anything about wanting to make the marriage work? Has he spoken to that at all? Um, He goes back and forth. Um, He's not Mm -hmm. willing to do real counseling. He doesn't understand what's going on in his head. He's trying to figure out himself and how he could do Mm -hmm. something like this and struggling Mm -hmm. with the feelings that he had for her. Um, So he's basically a good man. He's been a good man most of his life. Is that right? The best. Okay. And so the struggle that he's feeling is because of the fact that I know I feel these amazing, intense emotions, but I'm also wondering how in the world could I do this because I'm a married man? Is that what you're saying he feels? Yes. And then the fact that he is, quote unquote, fallen in love with her and he loves me, but is not in love with me. Yeah. First of all, let me tell you, Lynn, how much I admire you. And I, I hear your pain, and I'm so very sorry for that pain. I really am. And I promise if I had the magic wand, I'd wave it right now and make everything perfect. But no such one exists. So let's talk to a couple of things you mentioned here, that your friends are telling you, oh, you're devaluing yourself. You shouldn't do this. You're the doormat. I don't hear anything about this, you being a doormat. You see, when you make your own decisions, you're not being a doormat. You're being strong. And There are people who love you, who care about you, who will give you terrible advice. And it's not because they're bad people. It's because they see you hurting and they don't want you to hurt. And because of that, and and they're biased, and they're biased because they love you. So I'm not trying to put them down. The advice they give, the counsel they give, tends to be very, very bad advice. Like, don't stand for their marriage. Don't let him use you. You're a doormat. He's abusing you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But see, they don't understand. You, out of your own strength, made this decision. This is a good man that's doing a bad thing. He's worth rescuing. I love him. He's worth rescuing. I care about my daughters and their future. He's worth rescuing. This is not you being a doormat, Lynn. This is you being strong as all get out. Now, the fact that they have at least stopped part of that is a good thing. The fact that they still work together, not so good, but you know that because of the fact that you're still communicating with each other. But, you know, sometimes really what has to happen here, my friend, is that you'd have to take things one step at a time. And what I just heard you say is that little by little, you are reconnecting, right? Yes. Did I hear that? Okay. Yes. And that, and how often are you making love to each other? Two to three times a week. That's quite a bit. And do you feel that when you're making love to each other, when you're being intimate in that fashion, that it really is intimacy? Do you feel that there's an, any kind of emotional connection from him to you at any point during that lovemaking? Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Okay, but see, that's an honest answer. If you just said one way or the other, I would have, but that answer is great because that says you're really interpreting things well. That's exactly what we would expect. We would expect it would be sometimes yes, sometimes no. There are a couple of good things that are coming from that. First of all, it's your choice. You're not a doormat. And as that's happening, when you do culminate, and I'm trying to be careful with my language here, uh, when that culminates, when that happens, okay, then uh, oxytocin is released in both your body and his. And that means that he's probably bonding with you also partly because of what's happening there. 
Now, there will come a time, Lynn, and I'm not, and, and this is more of an art than a science, but there will come a time when you're going to have to make another, well, I say have to, let me back that up, that's wrong, when you probably will want to make a statement of, okay, now I need you to stop communicating with her. But if you do that prematurely and he's confused, it can actually push him away. But there is a time when you actually must I'm still using the strong words here. There's a time when that probably is going to be the best thing for you to do. When you say, okay, if, if for me to be able to continue to develop, to heal, that's what we're looking for. For me to continue to be able to heal, then then you can't keep communicating with her. Now, when you say they work together, does that mean they're in the same building, the same office, or the same, what, what does that mean? Um, they're both teachers on the same floor, in the same grade. Okay. And they share okay. the same type of students. Okay, so they're going to have some interaction with each other as long as that occurs. Lynn, are you part of our online course by any chance? Um, no, I've been trying to um, save some money so that I can do the course. Okay. Do you have a client representative here that you work with? Uh, yeah, Aaron. Aaron, okay. Uh, I'm going to talk to Aaron today, and I'm going to make you a special deal, Okay. I want you I want you in that course right away. And so I'm gonna to talk to Aaron today and I'm gonna make you a special deal to get in that course. Is that you are you hearing me? Yes, sir. Okay. Because we can be of help. We can be of value to you here, my friend. And I really want that to happen for you. And so I'm gonna instruct Aaron about how to do that and we're gonna help you out to get in that online course. Now we've just gone into the the brief three week um three or four weeks where we don't do the weekly calls with the course. We do that three or four times a year, we kind of break and start over again. But soon we'll start back to calls too. So Lynn, I'm going to end up with this. I'm going to tell you, number one, I am extremely impressed with your strength. No, you're not devaluing yourself because you're making these decisions. He's not making it happen. He's not forcing it. And just like you shouldn't let him force what you do, don't let your friends force what you do either. What I'm hearing is tremendous strength. I'm hearing here that you're making progress. I'm hearing that you are actually increasing things in your relationship. And so if you'll get in an online course, which I want you to do, if you'll do that, when you get in the online course, then what's going to happen is that good things are going to happen for you. Okay. Thank you. I, I really believe that this has got a really, really strong chance of making it. Now, I'm going to talk to my producer here for a second. Uh, Jesse, based on what I'm seeing on my screen here, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. Because it looks like some of them. Can you see the screen? Blog Talk is having some technical difficulties itself. Blog Talk um, is yeah, having some technical difficulties. Yeah, having trouble as well. Okay. So. For those out there, I'm so sorry. It's not our technical problems. It's Blog Talk. That's how we do the questions and answers is through Blog Talk. I mean, we're on YouTube right now with you. We're also on the Facebook with you if you're into that watching us there. We have several avenues. But the way we actually have the ability to talk to you is through blog talk. So I'm going to try this and see if this works here. Okay. I don't know if it's going to work or not. And again, I'm so sorry for this. I'm going to try another one over here and see if this works. Hey, John and Georgia, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay, John, are you, are you in the speakerphone, my friend? Yeah, that was me. Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. Apparently I'm talking to two people at the same time, John. Hang on one second. Okay. Uh, let me try it this way, John, because I don't want to be can talking to people at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I believe I can. Okay, John, 
How may I help you, my friend? Uh, yeah, just a quick background. Um, we've been married 26 years. Um, she had an emotional affair uh, starting October or September of last year. Uh, we went to your um, uh, workshop in June, which mm -hmm. was, was really good. Uh, we've been mm -hmm. working good. with your coaches and things like that. And uh, I which believe coach, the I ask, which is, coach have you been working with? Uh, Melody. Okay, good. Melody, she's been great, very, very good. good. Um, um, she, I think, has broken off the affair that she has moved out of the house, and the reason she mm -hmm. gave for moving out is is that she says she's grieving and she um, she does not want to have be intimate with me because mm -hmm. when we were married, she did it. She was intimate with me, but she didn't want to, and that created a repulsion to me mm -hmm. for for that for for sex and okay may I ask you a question she right says here? she can't get it back okay yes. I want to ask yes. you a question right here you said she felt repulsed did you force her to have sex with you no no she was okay. always willing and she just did it because she said she didn't want to have conflict you know and she was just going along to try to make me happy all right so you don't feel like Apparently, you don't feel you don't feel that you manipulated her that you uh, talked her into it, you don't feel that you forced it in any fashion. Is that correct? No, 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 no okay. sir. I just, uh, okay. And when she yes. participated with you back in those days, did she actually participate? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was, there was, there was no indication that it was, okay. that it was bad until, until we started having these problems. And then we had, okay. we had relations a few times and then she got up very upset and you know, started crying and, and didn't want to mm -hmm. do it anymore. Okay. But that was after she got emotionally involved with the other person. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. All right. And so when she moved so out, she moved out is, things. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Please go ahead and give me a question. Uh, my question is, um, I mean, I'm following the tenets of your program almost to the letter. I mean, I've slipped up a couple of times, but is there anything more that needs to happen for her psychologically besides the program that would help? I mean, is there, is there a certain counseling or is it mental, mental health issue that, that needs to happen or is this strictly an affair-related thing? John, unfortunately, I don't know how to answer that question um, because I don't know all her backstory. I don't know all the things that go with your life. For example, do you know if she had a relatively normal childhood or was there a lot of abuse and those kinds of things that occurred back then? No abuse. Just, um, you know, she's, she's taken down some bricks saying that, you know, she, her parents maybe were psychologically uh, not, not nice to her all the time and. the uh, she had a little okay. bit of resentment to them, but other than that, nothing okay. major. She really loved okay. her parents for the most part. Any, any previous relationships to you that were very bad? Yes, I think maybe one. Okay. And do you know how bad it was? Did she ever say? Yeah, I mean, she she said she she was a uh, lived, lived with the person before me, and <coughs> she had uh, nightmares that she was still with him at times. And the nightmares meaning she was afraid of him or she detested him? Any yeah, idea she what was, that she, she, yeah, she didn't want to be with him or she was afraid that she was stuck with him. 
Okay. Well, in that case, it may be that some counseling would help. But not, not marriage counseling, but counseling to deal with what has happened before. Now, here's the problem, John. If you tell her that she needs counseling or therapy, that may come across pretty bad. Like you're trying to control her or she may interpret that you're telling her that she's insane or crazy mm-hmm. or something like that. And so I don't know. She's in counseling. Oh, is it helping yeah. her at all? I don't know yet. I think, I think you know, she decided to move out after she went to the counseling. So uh-huh. I don't know what the counselor's telling her. It's not, I'm not privy to that information. She won't tell me. Yep. I understand. What? But yeah. it was after the counseling when she decided to move out and leave you. Well, she had already moved out, but now she's decided to, to make it long-term, leasing a place for a longer time, making steps so to separate. I am so sorry to hear that. You know, good Mm -hmm. counselors are worth their weight in gold. Good counselors are amazing. They're awesome. I love working with good counselors. Unfortunately, when it comes to marriage relationships, there's a certain percentage of counselors, like in every other profession, like physicians, ministers, whoever. There's a certain percentage of people that are excellent at what they do, a bunch of them that are kind of in the middle, and then there's some that are just pretty bad. For example, we haven't Mm -hmm. looked at all the the uh, stats on it yet, but I'm doing some research right now where I'm asking people just to tell us about their marriage counseling experiences. And we're not trying to invoke, evoke, or encourage them giving us negative responses, nor are we trying to evoke positive responses. We're looking for what do you actually feel? In other words, we're trying to make it where it's actually uh, sound psychologically, but we're not, we're not influencing their answers one way or the other. But about a fourth mm-hmm. of them are saying that when they went to marriage counseling, that the marriage counselor recommended that they separate or divorce. Now, I, I can't tell you that that's universal. And I also can't tell you, mm-hmm. you know, if there was some good reason, like maybe my husband's trying to kill me. I can't tell you that because that's not part of the research. Right. But we do know that mm-hmm. 25% sounds awfully high. Let's tell people that you just need a divorce and separate. Let's hope that your wife's counselor is not going to be one of those people. Uh, if so, then I'm so sorry because she'll have a lot of influence on her. Now, if you're asking the question, mm-hmm. what, what can I do about it? The only thing that I know that you can do, my friend, is to do what we always talk about, which is you be the best you, you can be working on what we call the pies, physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, being the best that you can be and not pressuring so that when and if I'm doing all that. he opens up and tries to talk to you, when and if I realize that may not happen, but if so, then she feels safe and comfortable in your understanding. And so at this point, my friend, the only thing I know of that you can do is to do those things. You'll be the best that you can. Because if you try to, if you try to affect this, if you try to do something in such a way that would actually cause her to want to come back to you, then I'm afraid that what might wind up happening is you'll wind up doing what you shouldn't be doing. Because often that's what people do. You know, well, they start overthinking. They start trying to make things happen, and and when you do that, you can actually make things go badly. So, patience and continue to be the best you you can be in a safe place. If she opens up, John, that's about all I can recommend. Now, I'm going to go back to my producer again, Jesse. I don't know exactly what's happening here. I'm going to try one other. Okay, you don't need her as blog talk. I know that. I just thought maybe you. Something may have come up on the screen that you've seen that I haven't. I'm going to try this one one more time, see if we can get to Sandy in Texas. Hello, Sandy. Yes, hi. 
Hey, we finally Hello. got through to you. How may I help you today, <laughs> yes. Sandy? Yes. Um, I kind of wanted to know, um, when exactly do the affairs end? Um, I am not sure if my spouse is actually having one, but it kind of just feels like I have worked on the pies, I have done everything, and it seems like the only thing that I have done is I've stopped him from actually leaving, but I haven't stopped certain things that he's actually doing, like lying. Um, I've noticed that he still hides quite a lot of things. And when he's around other people, I've just seen him kind of, you know, he kind of just really gets um, happy. He just gets excited. And these people seem to really kind of have a pull on him, especially females. And so I kind of feel like I'm at a loss. Um, I just don't know what to do. I feel like that the only thing that I have done, like I said, is just stopped him from actually leaving, but I haven't stopped him doing the things that he shouldn't be doing. So I really just don't know kind of what to do. Okay. Let me make sure, Sandy, I'm hearing what you're saying. You're saying that the things he's doing when you're with him, like, uh, particularly being interested in other women and reacting very positively to them. I mean, I understand that, but you said yes. you don't know that he's having an affair. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that you think that he's having an affair is because of the fact that he continues to hide things from you and continues to lie. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Have you considered the possibility that he might be hiding things from you or lying, not because of the affair, because he's having an affair, but because he might be doing something else that he doesn't want you to know about that's not necessarily the affair? Is that a possibility? I have thought about that. It's just I don't know what it would be. Um, mm-hmm. Because I've been told certain things by some people that, you know, he's kind of maybe done some things that he shouldn't, you know, kind of be doing. And they always speak of another female. And so. Do they think, speak of the same female? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've had different friends tell you that, like, can you give me an example when they say things he shouldn't be doing? Like what? One example. Um, well, I've had a few people actually tell me that when he has gone away on work trips, that he has gotten a little close um, to this female. Uh, They haven't said exactly what, but they have just said that they have either seen him um, when I guess they're not doing their, you know, work jobs. Um, I guess that they've actually seen them kind of go out. Um, So I don't really know kind of what they mean by that because they really won't Mm -hmm. say anything else so so why, why are that, they telling you these things what what are the, why are they telling you this i don't know i really don't okay. know and these are people that are your friends or his friends or what no um actually from what i know these are people that know him and i guess they just felt the need to kind of maybe tell me some things um i okay. don't really so they, know who mm-hmm. some of them are because they're doing it anonymously. Uh, why would you trust an anonymous person? I don't want to. 
but I just don't know what is going on because, you know, things are kind of a little odd. And so Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I just don't know, you know, things haven't been the best and Mm -hmm. yeah. So I just, I don't know. I'm just trying to kind of figure this mm -hmm. all out. Have you asked him? I haven't because I, um, I know that you kind of shouldn't do things that are going to kind of spark, you know, negative things. And so I've tried to be as positive as I possibly can. I don't Mm -hmm. really kind of want to stir the pot. Um, When Mm -hmm. I have tried, I might not come right out and say it, but when I have tried to kind of put like a stop down or I've tried to, you know, um, kind of in a calm way, talk about things it doesn't, it doesn't go over well at all. It tends to kind of backfire. In what way? Um, he will tell me that I am treating him like I'm his parent. Um, he will then accuse me of just being nuts, um, telling me I've lost my mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so it, yeah, were you it, asking it or were you accusing in those situations, were you asking or were you accusing? Honestly, at first, I do believe I was not asking him. I do believe I was kind of pointing the finger. Okay. All right. So if you were to have a conversation, say, tonight, where you sat down with him out on the front porch or whatever, you know, the phone's off, no kids, whatever, and you're sitting having a conversation with him, and if you were to look him in the eye and say, I'm hurting. And the reason I'm hurting is because some anonymous people are contacting me and, and, and implying very strongly that, that you're involved with someone else. I'm not saying that I'm accusing you of this. I'm saying that these are people are doing this to me. And so can you help me understand what's going on? And then for the pause, something like this. You know, I can deal with truth. And I'm asking you to respect me enough to tell you to tell me the truth, one way or the other. I'm not going to attack. I'm not going to react. I just need to know the truth, one way or the other. If you were to say that kind of conversation calmly, easily, not attacking, I mean, like like two friends talking to each other, what would you anticipate that he would do in response? Um, I would hope that he actually would, you know, tell me um, what is going on. And um, I would like to think that uh, it would actually go over quite well and not Mm -hmm. backfire. If you think that's how it's going to go, then why would you not do that? I guess I should. I just didn't because I just had a lot of fear. I just did not want things to go badly. You know, a few months ago. Yeah, well, a few months ago, he actually did say that, you know, he was done, he wanted out, and mm-hmm. so I've just, you know, I've kind of had a lot of fear. I just mm-hmm. don't know, you know, kind of like the right things to actually say. I don't want to mm-hmm. say the wrong thing, and I don't want to make him mad. So. Okay, I get that. I mean, I really do. Fear is a pretty powerful thing, but, you know, it's it's kind of like this. When you're dealing with what what reality is, whatever that is, it's a whole lot less scary than what you anticipate is going to be. In other words, if you're thinking it might be this, you're thinking about that, then those things just eat you alive. Whereas at least if you know, at least if you know, you can deal with it. Yeah, it might not be what you want to hear. It might be like devastating to hear it. I understand all those things. I get the fear. But in general, it's like, well, at least now I know what to deal with. 
And and there really are no magic words. If there were, I guarantee you, I'd be a, a not as a millionaire. I'd be a billionaire if I knew the magic words. There are no magic words. It all has to come down <laughs> to how you communicate with each other. Now you sound to me like a pretty intelligent person. You sound to me like a pretty well put together person in your brain. If that's the case, then what you do is that you come across. Okay, I'm going to do this as a friend. Like, how would I do this with my best friend? That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to attack. I'm not going to accuse. I am going to offer some reassurances. The reassurances is if you tell me the truth, I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to explode. Bad and terrible things aren't going to happen. I'm asking you to respect me enough to just tell me the truth, whatever it is. And then hopefully whatever he says to you mm-hmm. is the truth, hopefully. And, and so if the truth is, yes, I am involved with that woman. Yeah, it's going to hurt. But at least you'll know what it is, which can kind of help you figure out what you do next. Or it's going to be something, it could be this. It could be, you know, I'm having too much to do with her. I know it's not good. And if that's the case, then your response is going to be different. Like, well, how may I help you? Or, no, I don't know why these people are doing to me. They're my enemies. You know, obviously my enemies, if they're doing these things, you can go, okay, I appreciate that. But can you understand how that these people contacting me is affecting me. And so I need to ask some things of you, if you will. I need to know, so can you call me when you're on the business trip? Can you, you know, whatever, come up with things. Not like not like some kind of a restrictive, clasp hands around his throat kind of thing. Not like that. But can you help me figure out how you can do, we can do things together to reassure me so I can ignore these people who are doing these things. And so you've got the spectrum from, yes, I'm doing it. Okay, we'll deal with that. Or, "Mm, I'm doing things I shouldn't do, but I'm not really involved with her. Okay, then why do we deal with that? Or, no, I'm not doing it at all. Well, since these people are contacting me, help me. What can we do to deal with that? And if you do it as if you're sitting on his side of the table, not the other side of the table, but his side of the table, where you're like buddies, you're pals, you're trying to work this thing out. If you can keep that kind of attitude, you have the greatest likelihood of getting the truth and finding a solution. Now, if you find out he's having an affair, if he says, yes, I am, and I've thought about leaving you already, you can go, I appreciate your honesty. Uh, and can you let me process this, but we need to work things through. And that's when I would recommend that you call over here to us and talk to one of my client representatives that work here, our client representatives, mm-hmm. I should say, and, and they can kind of guide you through, okay, this is what we can guide you to that will help you with the next step. But right now, dealing with speculation that people are pulling on you like this has got to be miserable. And so you do what yeah. you think is best. I cannot tell you what to do. But if it were I, I'd find a comfortable place in the right time, and I'd have the conversation just so at least we know what we're dealing with. You know, but it's your choice, okay. my friend. Okay. 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 Thank you so much. Okay, Sandy. Thank you. Now, uh, again, I'm not sure exactly what's going on here with Blog Talk, so I don't know what's going to happen next. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to be able to get this to Mandy. Hello. Uh, okay, Mandy, I'm coming back. Mandy, can you uh, take it off speakerphone? Can so you hear me? I can hear you. Now. Can you hear me? I'm not a, it's not on speakerphone, but can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, and apparently you've got some great kids there. Yes, I do. <laughs> they are not happy many, at the moment, unfortunately. <laughs> how many children am I, am um, I hearing there? Three. Three. Okay. Three, All right, yes. I may help you. I may help you, man. Three small kids. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. 
I have, um, be quiet, I'm on the phone, please. All right. So I, I'm on the phone. So my situation is, is that my, um, my husband has been working out of state for the last nine months. Mm-hmm. And he would come home about once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gotten some distance and been staying away longer. And now has recently told me that he, um, after I was asking him about what was wrong, he told me he's done with the marriage. That he, mm-hmm. we've been married for 16 years together for 20 years. Three mm-hmm. small kids, and two of which we are currently adopting, which are his brother's children. And they are not even adopted yet. Um, so, I believe that where he is in the other state working, he may have met someone else. Could be. He won't Could confirm be. or deny it. Mm-hmm. We have a counselor, um, which we are using over the phone since he's gone all the time. We can't see someone in person. Mm-hmm. And she um, is trying really hard to help me keep up, keep the marriage okay. together. Um, Wonderful. Great. He is just very non-responsive. He's just he's shut down emotionally. Is what I feel like. He's very. It's like Mm -hmm. he. Go ahead. No. How does he act with the children when he's there? Um, he acts well with our daughter, who's older. Um, he acts pretty normal as far as like Mm -hmm. saying how much he loves her and misses her. With the twins mm-hmm. who we're adopting, um, they're not they're not two yet. Um, he acts fairly normal, but almost like like obligatory, you know. Like, and that's kind of been an issue, which I wondered if that's part of what the problem is, where it's like he doesn't feel the same connection to them that he does to our daughter, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's loving towards them, you know, but it's like. He's spending less and less time here. And, you know, whereas two months ago he was telling me he wanted us to all move up there to where he was working, he couldn't stand being away from us, he missed the kids so bad, you know, he was telling me this stuff like two months ago, and now all of a sudden it's like he's spending the entire month away and doesn't seem to be worried about what that's doing to the kids and is trying to tell me, oh, it's just temporary because I have to work so much overtime. But is is also making choices where he's not spending time that he could be with the kids. Like he goes and visits mm. his friend instead of coming over here and spending time with the kids. Yeah. So in the counseling, um, we she has um, gotten him to agree to do a once a week video chat with me where we where we will be face to face because we've been barely speaking to each other for the last mm-hmm. month, only mm-hmm. through text and about kids basically. Um, so he's agreed to do this, and she has given me the job of trying to communicate with him and trying to get um, him to hopefully get in touch with some of his emotions, talk about, you know, our relationship, even mm-hmm. though she knows, you know, she told him for the pers- from the perspective of closure at least, if nothing else, and you know, for me, she knows we're trying to. I'm trying to make the marriage stay together. So I'm mm-hmm. going to be having these conversations with him, and I know because of smart contact, like I don't want to push him. Um, oh, the other thing is, I think he feels controlled by me. Uh, he hasn't quite said that, but I've been racking my brain trying to figure out what's going on. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, he has said things before, like um, some of the things you've said, like I can't, anything I say, you just won't let it go until I agree with you, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I know that's an issue, so we're going to be having these conversations. I don't want him to feel like I'm controlling him. I do want him to open up. I want to be able to feel like we can actually talk to each other and maybe hopefully get him to re-engage with me as a spouse and not just a mm-hmm. co-parent. So mm-hmm. I don't know what I should say in these in these calls with him. Okay. I think that's an excellent question. And I'm glad you've got a counselor that really cares about saving the marriage. Good for you. Those kind of people are just worth their weight in gold. So even though I don't know your counselor, please tell her that this guy – Oh, well, we're in Tennessee says that you're awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> right. then, then this, if indeed he already perceives you as controlling, if that is correct, if, if you're evaluating that correctly, then mm-hmm. trying to get him to talk about his emotions could come across as controlling as well. Right. Uh-huh. And, so, yeah. and so these, these video visits, how long will each one be? Any idea? Well, she wants us to keep them under an hour. Okay. That's good. So that's the so, kind of, framework. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, if it were I, now I'm, I'm not trying to undermine your counselor whatsoever. You you stick with somebody who cares about marriages and trying to help you. So please don't hear this mm-hmm. as anything contradictory to that. But if indeed he, hear, if he perceives you as being controlling, if, if you're correct about mm-hmm. that, then what I would suggest, or at least I would do if it were I, is I would start the conversation in a way of saying, hey, I realize we're supposed to buy things that reveal our emotions and stuff, but I also realize that you kind of avoid that. Because when you come home, you know, rather than spending time with the kids and me, you tend to go out and hang with your friends. And I understand that you're probably avoiding this because it's uncomfortable for you, and I get that. Now, I really want to get to there, but I'm going to let you lead as to when we get there because I don't want to control you. I don't want to do that. But, you know, you, you said to the counselor you would, so we will but to begin with, let's just talk about other things. You know, what's going on? What do you like best about what's happening where you are over there? And what do you like least? What do you enjoy when you come home? Um, tell me what uh, it does for you when you go to speak with your friends. Help me understand. I'm just trying to understand you. And if you can do it without jumping directly to what do you feel about me, what do you feel about the marriage, mm-hmm. what do you feel about the kids, if you can evolve into that where he feels comfortable, where he feels that he's in control of the conversation, I think that that would work a whole lot better to get where you want to go. And uh, if if the marriage were to dissolve, what happens to the adoption? Well, we are – I believe his intention was to make sure the adoption was done before he did anything. And um, it's sort of come to a head because – in my questioning of what's going on and what's wrong, he has then admitted that he doesn't want to be married. And at first he said, oh, maybe just a separation, but now he's saying divorce. But nothing has been filed, nothing's been done like that. And I and I, I know his intention is to not do anything that would jeopardize the adoption. So I guess he's going to wait till the adoption's done before he makes any next steps. And so we're in the process of doing that. Okay, maybe one question, and I wouldn't put this up front, but again, based on all the things I just said about trying to ease him into this, where he feels comfortable mm-hmm. talking about it. But if it were I, one of the questions I would actually want a very strong answer to, or a very honest answer to, I should say, is this. Are are you going to stay with me until adoption is done and then divorce me and leave me to raise these kids? And if he says, oh, I'll help, you go, well, if you're going to help, it would require you being here. And so I just need to know, 
are are you going to help me get the, you know, you're going to stay for the adoption and then leave me to raise these children. Be honest with me because I really need to understand that. Now he might ask a question back such as, well, does that mean that you'll stop the adoption? Then, then you answer whatever the honest answer is. And I, I'm not going to give you that because that would have to come out of your heart, your mind. But mm-hmm. if indeed, if indeed what you just said is correct, if his motivation is let's get the adoption done and then I'll divorce you, it's actually very unkind to you. It's, it's yeah. it might be thinking, okay, like because now I'm going to have you raise these little kids, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, I'm happy to raise these kids. I love these kids, but I've got to have a partner to do this. And and that's yeah. a conversation I would, if it were I, that's a conversation I would definitely want to have before any kind of divorce thing takes place. But because that's mm-hmm. going to be one of the hardest conversations you're going to have, I wouldn't start off with that. I'd, I'd let it work down to that, but I would definitely make sure it got in there somewhere because you really need to know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes, Mandy, it works like this. When the person gets asked a certain question, sometimes they see things differently just because of the question. And so it's like, so you intend to help make the adoption happen, then you intend to divorce me and leave me to raise these kids? Just, you know, I wouldn't say it meanly. I wouldn't say it attacking. Mm-hmm. But, like, I really need this information. Who knows? It may shake something in his head like, well, good grief, I didn't think about it like that. And if he were to say, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I'll be there every other weekend. No, no, no I, that's mm-hmm. not the same thing. Are you, ex- you know, and if you can do it without being attacking, about being accusatory, that can be a really important conversation to have in this process, I would think. Yeah. Wouldn't you? And if he does say that, you know, oh, I'm going to be there when I can, every other weekend, whatever, and I say that's not the same thing, where do I go from there? Do I just let it sit that that's not good enough, or what well, do I do? You're going to have to think something through ahead of time. And that something yeah. through is, are you going to go ahead and adopt these children if indeed he's going to divorce you and leave them just with you? Now, I'm not giving you an answer to that. And we don't want to talk about that right here, you know, over people watching all over the world. But this is something right. you need to think ahead of time. And, and if you're having any hesitations, then that would be the time to share that hesitation, to say something like, okay, then I may need to think things through because I truly love these kids. I really do. But I don't think I can raise them if I have to do almost all the work and you're here every other weekend and et cetera. And it's not because I don't love the children. I do. But there's some other things I need to think about here, if indeed that's true. In other words, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. But but uh, this is something that he and you really, really need to discuss, in my opinion. Now, again, I'd put it down here somewhere. You know, you got a lot of things to talk about first. But I would strongly suggest you have that conversation, my friend. Okay, I've got one last caller I've got to get to here. And, uh, okay, where is this call? Right here, is this the one? Okay, thank you, Jesse. Jesse's our producer that you don't hear off on because he's looking at me nodding his head one direction and the other and occasionally scowling. All right, so let's go here to Ohio and talk to Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer, can you hear me? I can hear you. Great. How may I help you today, my friend? Hi, um, my husband is in an affair with my ex-best friend, of, um, and I have four daughters. This affair started, she she was in, clearly in Limerence first and was drawing him in and basically telegraphing this affair to my daughters and I last fall, but we just, my husband is the nicest, most honorable, um, mm. you know, I'm sure you've heard a million times, high integrity, yeah. people will just be 
astounded. The people that know just can't even believe it because he's just the sweetest guy. Um, in fact, he just had his birthday, and somebody posted to the kindest man I know. And um, so she drew him, and she's, um, you know, obviously a little more reckless, and um, she did this to her first husband, and uh, she's very wild, very fun. She was a fun friend. Um, she was really – she's the mother of my 16-year-old daughter's uh, best friend since childhood. So this woman's been a second mom to my daughter, Charlotte, and she was very close to my 23-year-old um, who had graduated and come home from college. So they did a lot, um, yoga, coffee. In fact, they got in, in, my, in the way of my relationship with my 23-year-old. She did and, um, as she was getting in, the, in my marriage. And I just, you know, looking back, all the signs were there. She wanted to play squash with him. She, my husband brought her into his business group, like a mentoring group, three years ago. She's an insurance agent. And um, so, you know, and he's just so, so naive to this whole thing, and he has no idea what hit him. So I'm really trying. In fact, I just sent a letter to my lawyer. He's already filed, um, but not told anybody. Like, mm-hmm. nobody. Um, there's one brother, his oldest brother, he has told, because his brother did the same thing, but nobody knew. Nobody knows that, but he did. I know that. And so mm-hmm. my four daughters' ages, um, they're about to have birthdays, but right now they're 16 through 25, mm-hmm. have shut him off completely. Um, they this started in, like, May 6th. They, a couple of them had conversations with him, um, you know, one of them had a conversation when it was just an emotional affair, which was like February through uh, mm-hmm. April, and then she got an apartment right away, so it could be more. So he yeah. has gone through all the stages of, I mean, his value system is completely, I mean, you know, he's a Catholic boy and involved in Catholic charities. He works, he's a CPA at um, a Christian firm. I mean, he is upside down. His whole family is very mm-hmm. Catholic and honorable, and her family mm-hmm. is the opposite and welcoming him into the family, basically, and kicking yeah. the, her soon-to-be ex-husband out. So it's just really weird. But, um, but yeah, he's not telling us. So a couple of things. One, um, I'm so caught in the middle of my girls. Um, they adamantly do not want a relationship with him because so, mm-hmm. they're so betrayed by her. I mean, it's just very ugly. Mm-hmm. And right. they feel like, and he's only, he's sent them a few emails, maybe four total. Um, everyone is, you know, in a way harmful. Um, mm-hmm. Two of my girls have blocked him from everything. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like the limerence in, intensifies because they won't speak to him. But will there not, be a curve not, on not that? Necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. It it does okay. mean you know when when there's any kind of obstacle, it does tend to make the two people feel closer to each other. Okay, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily going to have a long term effect. As a matter of fact, it may have just the opposite long term effect. Okay. So not, I mean, I can't control what they're going to do, you know. I mean, they do not. I mean, my youngest one told me, even though her friend, the Limerick Object's daughter, is, you know, is she's disappointed and mad at her mom and not being great with her mom, but her, her mom's more manipulative, so she's able to draw this daughter in. And, yeah. and she has a 12-year-old, too, girl. So, I mean, her, her kids are younger, but my youngest daughter, Charlotte, is just like, no. I'm not going to have a relationship with him. They, they've just, my girls are strong. Them. I mean, they're, they're like, no, I'm not going to, I mean, not to pull out old wounds, but did your daughters do this to you? No, my daughters will get very, very young. Um, 
My daughters were 13 and 6, and the 13-year-old okay. is mentally handicapped. So she operates at the bottom of the six-year-old. So no, they were they were too young. But what's happening here? Okay. First of all, I, I would not try to intervene in the sense of saying you girls need to have things to do with your dad. They have a right to feel what they feel, and and your daughters yeah, are old enough to make their own decisions about their lives. Mm-hmm. And right. And I had a 15-year-old tell me one time. He said, "I told my dad that until you live as the man you taught me to be, I've got nothing else to do with you." And he said, "My dad's yeah. mad." But but I'm going to stand for what he taught me to be. So we're talking yeah, about a good man, mm-hmm, a good man who's doing yeah. something contradictory to what he's trained his daughters to be. And so the fact exactly. that they're making the stand in the long run is actually a good thing. Now, here's okay. one suggestion. Now, understand suggestion. I'm not telling you what to do. If if you go to our website, and, and that's marriagehelper.com, and on a little search engine on the website, look for intervention. There's a page about intervention mm-hmm. and in that there are two 45 minute audios that explain how to do an intervention, but there's also a PDF document that you can download. Now I would suggest, and again, you do what you think is best, suggest that you ask the daughters to listen to the video, to the audios. And I mean, there's a group together uh, and then mm-hmm. to read through that entire PDF. Now they really need to read through it all. And if they feel it's the right thing to do, your daughters, no, not you, you can't do the intervention. The wife can't do right. it, but the daughters, the daughters could do an intervention and say, okay, you need to go get this. It may, may be like, okay, you go down to Dr. Boy, Dr. Beam, you go to their intensive three-day workshop, or it can be whatever they think is the right intervention to do. Right. And, and the interventions, and the interventions, what happens here, Jennifer, is this, that they say you either do this or this is the consequence. Quick example. Right. Um, I know of some married daughters who uh, actually said to their parents, you guys either go over there with Dr. Beeman and go to a three-day workshop, or you're not going to see your grandchildren on any major holidays. You'll still see your grandchildren, but you're not going to see them on Christmas or Thanksgiving, things like that, unless you go. Mm-hmm. And that was what they used to cause the intervention. Here's a negative consequence if you don't. Now, in that particular case, by the, grace of God, the marriage turned around, and we're actually able to help save that marriage. So interventions can be very effective. Now, if you don't want to suggest well, that to your daughters, then don't. But, it, but I think respecting what they feel and respecting what they're saying is an extremely important thing and not to try to encourage them to do anything differently than what's important to them. Well, this is where I'm at with that. I've actually, my 23 year old who was really the closest to him because she carpooled with him every day to work and they're more similar. Um, mm-hmm. She did, did want him to go in the beginning and um, he had originally agreed until he, you know, called in anonymously and he felt like I was tricking him because I didn't see the pod on um, the podcast on you saying be really upfront about what it is. So I was like, mm-hmm. no, it's for you know for co-parenting, and so he felt very tricked, and you know he thought it was a cult and all this crap. And um, mm-hmm. so he's it's like he'd rather split his wrist than go to the workshop. So, but this is where we're at now. So he said no, but he would go to counseling in town. So I even, against my you know better judgment, talked to a counselor twice. Thought okay, well maybe that could be a segue, but. I didn't push too hard because I knew I really didn't want to mess up going to the workshop eventually. And he never followed mm-hmm. through with it anyway. So maybe mm-hmm. the ante's higher because it's been more months now. And um, so right now mm-hmm. I have just sent a lawyer um, to, I've just sent a letter to the lawyer that's very like, um, I, I run it by Melody, the coach, and she thought it sounded great. Um, urging 
his lawyer, well, through his lawyer, to give to him about going to the workshop, saying it's my number one because he's filed, um, but he hasn't, you know. So mm-hmm. I don't know what he's going to say. Thinking he probably will just be like, no, I'm not going to do it. But he, That's possible. I don't. That's why I yeah. really recommend that that the daughters listen to those two 45 minute audios well, and the daughters, PDF, and then they can decide yeah. if they want to do it or not. But in my opinion. And I'm, you know, I'm not God, but in my opinion, I think they would have more influence here than you would. Okay. And so just recommendation. I've gone back to my daughters and kind of said, look, if he does still doesn't agree, which I'm not sure he will, he does listen to authority. He would be more inclined to, and that's Melody thought it's good. It's like, let them know I mean business. Um, I've gone back to my daughters and said, look, I really may need your help to do this. And, you know, I've talked about limerence to them, and they're kind of like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. You know, I, I want to just figure out my own thing. So I kind of warned them, like, I might need you to, and I'm, maybe I'm working on them and getting somewhere because one of my, my 23-year-olds, which would be the most powerful, kind of said, you know, he needs to at least do this for you so, to go to the workshop. So maybe. But the other right. thing I wanted to ask you um, – Unfortunately, I'm out of time. It's it's we're already ten minutes okay. past the end of the program, Did so unfortunately, I'm But I do recommend yeah. very strongly that you get the daughters to at least listen to that that audio. And I'm so sorry to end this, but we're ten minutes over time right now. Thank all of you for paying attention. Thank all of you for being part of this, and hopefully, we'll see you next week. That's our plan, anyway. Thank you.